Grab your Bibles and look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14. In just a couple of days, we mark the 17th anniversary of September 11, 2001. On that day, we will never forget the scenes of what we saw that day. I remember I was a student at Baptist Bible College my very first year, and as I watched and, and looked with horror, I was in, we were preparing for chapel, I honestly thought there was uh, a movie playing on the television, and I quickly realized it was live TV as that second plane crashed horribly into the World Trade Center tower, the South Tower. But I read this week the story of a man who chose to continue in the face of great adversity during that time. And in his choice, he willingly laid down his life. This man's name is Rick Rescorla. Uh, he was born in, in uh, England, but uh, was um, admired greatly the work and heroism of American soldiers and had a lifelong desire as a child after he saw uh, how America came in and helped him overcome German uh, forces. Uh, and he had a great desire to become an American soldier. And so he worked his life to become an American soldier and served in Vietnam and other places as a commissioned officer. And then later in his life in 2001, he was serving as a uh, security officer in the World Trade Center. At 8.46 a.m. on the morning of September 11, 2001, American Airlines Flight 11 struck World Trade Center Tower Number 1, the North Tower. Rescorla heard the explosion and saw the tower burning from his office window in the 44th floor of the World Trade Center Tower 2, the South Tower, and when a Port Authority announcement came over the PA system urging people to stay at their desks, Rescorla ignored the announcement, grabbed his bullhorn, walkie-talkie, and cell phone and began systematically ordering Morgan Stanley employees to evacuate, including the 1,000 employees in WTC5. He, re he directed people down a stairwell from the 44th floor, continuing to calm employees after the building lurched violently following the crash of United Airlines Flight 175, 38 floors above into Tower 2 at 9.03 a.m. Morgan Stanley Executive Bill uh, McKeon stated that even a group of 250 people visiting the offices for a stockbroker training class knew what to do because they had been shown the nearest stairway. Rescorla had boosted the morale among his men in Vietnam by singing Cornish songs from his youth, and now he did the same in the stairwell, singing songs like one based on the Welsh song, Men of uh, Harlech, Men of Cornwell, stop your dreaming, can't you see their spear points gleaming? See the warrior's pennant streaming to this battlefield. Men of Cornwall, stand ye uh, steady. It cannot, ever, uh, it cannot be ever said, ye for the battle were not ready. Stand ye, stand and never yield. Between songs, Rescorla called his wife, telling her, Stop crying. I have to get these people out safely. If something should happen to me, I want you to know that I've never been happier. You made my life. After successfully evacuating most of Morgan Stanley's 2,687 employees, he went back into the building. When one of his colleagues told him he had to evacuate the World Trade Center, Rescorla replied, As soon as I make sure, everyone else is out. He was last seen on the 10th floor heading upward, shortly before the South Tower collapsed at 9.59 a.m. His remains were never found. Today we salute those men and women who willingly give their life every day. And if you're a fireman or a policeman or a nurse or a doctor or someone who helps in our great time of need today, we say thank you for what you have done. 
And I tell you today, we are blessed uh, by people who, like this, even in our own church, are the sheepdogs of our world that help protect and put their, their lives in the way for those around them. It is a joy to be able to say that they emulate Christ. Because in all that he did, before he went to the cross, he said, Lord, if, this cup, if it be possible, let this cup pass over. But Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He had a greater desire and a greater love for us in that moment than we could have ever imagined. And here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we begin to learn a little bit about some of that love and passion that God has for us. Because God has encouraged us. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but we kind of live in a little bit of a chaotic world. Anybody ever noticed that? Anybody watch any of the uh, court proceedings with, Jet, uh, with excuse me, Judge Brett uh, uh, Kavanaugh this week? It was kind of crazy. Uh, over 200 people were arrested. I'll tell you what, it was a place of anarchy. And it is a, it's a travesty to see some of these things happen. If you look at 2 Peter, uh, Timothy 3 and verse 1, it says, Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And it goes on and he talks about the perilous times and the different, uh, uh, really the travesties that we will face. But I love when he gets to our text today in verse number 14, the very first word, but. In the midst of all the chaos that we face in our life, and it doesn't matter what trial that uh, we're coming into, kind of like uh, Rascala here, as he chose in the midst of the chaos of what was happening on September 11, 2001, he said, I'm going to continue to do my job. I'm going to continue in the face of questions, and I'm going to continue in the face of adversity, and I'm going to continue to be faithful to my post. And folks, let me remind you today that God is calling us to continue. God is calling us in this perilous times when things uh, seem to be upside down, as Pastor mentioned, even light switches are upside down in, in Zambia, when things seem to be upside down and nothing seems to be right side up, and, and sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's political, sometimes it's geopolitical, no matter what it may be, we recognize that God is calling us that despite the perilous times, continue. And so would you please stand with me as we read the, the text in verse number 14, and we're just going to read these four verses together. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is, what is that word, church? Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for your uh, holy word. And thank you that you have called us this morning uh, to gather together to continue uh, in the things that you have taught us. And so though things may seem upside down, I pray that today you would encourage the heart that is carrying burdens. I pray that, Lord, that those who are... Uh, just broken because of sin, that, Lord, that they would receive the healing that they need through the power of Jesus Christ. Father, that, that you would be uh, to us and in us, Lord, the God who you are. We love you, Father, and praise you, and may you take this time and be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Despite all the negative that we face, we realize that God is still alive. He's still on the throne, and He still is active in our lives. And today we find 
that there is hope with Jesus Christ. Look at Colossians 1.27 there at the end. It says, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I tell you what, with Jesus Christ today, we are encouraged by what He has done in our lives. And today, I offer hope to you. doesn't matter the situation, the, the chaos, the circumstances that you find yourself. Because just as this young Pastor Timothy, and as Paul was on uh, his way to be executed, we, we find that, that Paul, at the end here of his ministry, he encourages Timothy, even in the end, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. And, and today we need to, that encouragement to continue. Because without a doubt, I know that there are times where Galatians 6, 9 is very true. Be not weary in well-doing. And so continue thou in the faith. Let's look here first. Continue in the faith. And this is what he encourages first in verse number 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. So first off, let's, let's think about this word persevere. Because if we're going to continue in something, that really means to persevere. And persevere means to continue in a course of action, even when the fa- in the face of difficulty or with little or no prospect of success. And, and if we look at the world around us, and, and I don't know about you, but I, as, a, as a pastor, sometimes I look at the world and I think, Lord, the time is so running short. And we've got to be reminded that, that as I look at all the news events and the things, I'm reminded that Christ's coming is imminent. It seems like any time we could see Christ coming back. And as we consider that, I'm reminded in my spirit that God wants us to persevere into the end. To continue in the faith that He's taught us. Hebrews 12 and verse number 1, if you want to turn there with me. We see this powerful verse that God reminds us that we are surrounded by those encouraging us to go on, to continue, to persevere, no matter how difficult or hopeless this situation. It says in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen, isn't it encouraging? The previous chapter talks about Hebrews chapter 11. And he talks about all of these heroes of the faith who, uh, uh, that, that walked and lived by faith. And here, the very next one, he says, Wherefore, and seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all of these incredible witnesses for Christ, now that they have lived their life, they have, uh, they have served and they have been faithful, he says, and as a result of their witness, let us continue in the race that God has called us to today. Church, we're not, a, we're not an island to ourselves. We've got to remember that God has called us to reach out into the world around us and continue to carry the gospel, continue in the faith that He's called us to, even when we grow weary. Even when we want to faint or quit, God has called us to continue. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Isn't that an encouraging verse? Isn't it encouraging to know that though we grow weary and though that, that we labor and we labor and we labor and there are times where our body just doesn't want to get up and go anymore, that, that in the midst of all of that, that God says we will reap if we faint not. Praise the Lord, Brother Jim Moore. Good to see you this morning. What a blessing. So, what do we persevere in? What is, it that, what is it that God has called us to continue in? He says, continue in the faith. What do, we, what do we need to do? And he tells us here in verse number 14, those things that we have learned. Verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. And this is the very first thing. Remember Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 1, Solomon wrote, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Why? Because as we grow older, oftentimes we get forgetful. 
uh, the, the burdens of life become heavy upon us, and, and it's easy to be drawn away from the truth of God's Word. And so amid, amidst the errors and the false ideals of today, I encourage you to remember the truth, remember the things that we've learned. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promise. God is encouraging us, look, it's not time for new doctrine. It's not time for something new out there on the wings. But instead, we must continue in the ways that we have been taught. Jeremiah 6, 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way, and what? Walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. The sad part is, the rest of that verse is to say, But they said, We will not walk therein. Church, I, I think that God is calling us to walk therein, to remember those things which we have been taught, remember the doctrines, the truth of God's Word, and continue in the way. It's not a time to be seeking a new way. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, I am the way. And that's not a time to be seeking a new truth because Jesus said, I am the truth. Y'all catching this? And it's not because there's only one that gives eternal life because Jesus Christ said, I am the life. He says, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so we don't need anything new. What we need is the Word of God once again today. We need a revival of God's Word in our hearts. We need to continue in the things which we have learned. And I'm grateful for faithful Bible preaching that we've enjoyed for the last 35 plus years. And I'll tell you, it's time for us to continue in those paths. It's not time to deviate from it. It's time to continue in the things that thou hast learned. He also says, continuing the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of. These are the things that Timothy not only learned, but later was confirmed by the Apostle Paul to give him a place, a firm place in his beliefs. And so if you remember Timothy in his life, and you can look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, he's talking about Timothy's firm faith, he says, Which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in, in thee also. He says, listen, the faith that you have learned, the faith that you have built upon, is the same faith that your grandmother and your mother taught in your life. Later, the Apostle Paul encouraged that belief as well. And later, the Apostle Paul encouraged him to continue to grow. And then these things became a firm place in his beliefs, and he desired to continue in those things. And Paul was just encouraging him, look, we don't have to cast aside the old for something new. We don't have to cast aside the things that sound good because they sound new. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Listen, as a matter of fact, he said in the same book of the Bible, vanity of vanity, all is vanity, saith the preacher. These preachers that get up and say, well, I've got a new thing for you today. My, my flags go up for me because I want what the Word of God says. I don't want your new ideas. Listen, Satan desires your destruction. He doesn't desire for Hillside Baptist to go on. He doesn't desire for your life to go on. And his minions are doing their best to hinder your walk with God. The peace of God in your life, he's trying to destroy that. He's trying to desire, uh, de destroy your hunger and desire for, uh, for truth. And so what is, what is he using in your life to do these things? Remember, Satan in his, in his desires, he desires to sift you as wheat is what the Bible says. He desires to destroy you and your faith and your walk. So what is he using? For some of it, it's different things. Often it's referred to as a besetting sin. 
this one thing that constantly uh, draws you away from the Lord. It may be music, it may be alcohol, it may be uh, the internet, but whatever it is, I just encourage you today, whatever these things that hinder your ability to be filled with the Spirit today, I encourage you to disconnect from those things and plug into the Word of God. And I love this last part. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You know, today we live in such an incredible age. Things go, at, have you noticed how fast things go? Um, everything moves fast, in, including vehicles, but that's not the least of things. The Internet has uh, just made so many things possible that never before were possible. Um, and with those things, we also have a great door that sometimes is good and sometimes is harmful. Knowing whom, this is a plural term. And it refers not only back to Paul, but also Timothy's grandmother and his mother. Too often people will read a blog, a Facebook post, or something that sounds spiritual from someone else. They don't have a clue of their background. They don't have a clue of what they believe. But too often what they do is they begin to read about the Word of God, and they fail to read the Word of God. Listen, there's great danger when we spend more time reading about it than we do read uh, reading the Word of God. I've seen countless Christians who have uh, begun reading things on the Internet from sources that they are not familiar with, from people that are totally and scripturally unfounded, and, and they, it draws them away from the truth of God's Word. Listen, it's another flag for us. We've got to know not only what the doctrine is, but who it is that's preaching that doctrine. We've got to know who it is that's sharing these things with, with us because it's important not just to know what they believe, but who they are, where they come from. It's like I read on a website last week. Abraham Lincoln said, don't trust everything you read on the Internet. I was hoping y'all would catch that this morning. I was worried. It is a joke. That was not a quote. All right. But if we're going to persevere, if we're going to continue in the faith, we must be willing to remember our roots. Our roots need to run to the Word of God. Our roots don't run to Pastor Tolbert. Our roots don't run to Don Todarf. It doesn't run to any of those other men, but it runs to the Word of God today. I'm grateful for the fact that God has used these great men in our church in a great way, but I'm also recognizing that it's the Word of God that must be where our roots run deep. So he calls us here in this verse, in verse 15. And that from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so God is calling us, lay down our sins. If we're ever going to continue in the faith, if we're ever going to be able to, to go forward where God wants us to go forward, if we're going to be able to continue, we must be willing to lay down our sins. From his youth, Titus had been taught the Word of God. And it's important today for us as parents to teach our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. Listen, we've got to continually be pouring spirituality into our children. Pouring the Word of God into our kids. How important, how vital it is to get the Word of God into the lives of our tender, precious babies. You say, well, I don't have kids at home anymore, but do you have grandkids? You have great-grandkids. God is still calling you to have a part in their spiritual upbringing, and God wants us, each of us to have that part, that, spe that special part in their life. 
uh, as each of my children grew and as each of them uh, were born, uh, we chose to give them back to the Lord. Uh, it's, it's nothing that's commanded in the scripture outside of just principle. And we just said, you know what, we want to just dedicate our babies back to the Lord. And for each of those uh, dedications as we did that, uh, Kristen's mother uh, sent money for us to buy Bibles for our kids. She wanted to invest in their lives spiritually. Man, that is incredible. It doesn't matter if they're 500 miles away or right next door. You know, you can have a part in reaching your, your children and your grandchildren for Christ. Titus was tender to the truth. He was ready, like a, like a, 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 a just ready to be uh, ready for the harvest as Paul came through his city. And he began sharing the word of God because of Eunice and because of Lois and their influence in his life and teaching him the word of God. And Paul reminded him, listen, because of the unfeigned faith that was found in them, because it's in you also. And, and we've got to recognize that God wants us to continue in that, to continue to share uh, the truth of God's word with our children. To continue in the faith means that we must have the, uh, the punishment of our sins removed because, listen, sins are deceptive, right? They can easily trip us, up, trip us up. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, uh, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Listen, that was all of us. Uh, he, did, he, he said, look, all of us, we are all, ourselves were also sometimes foolish. We were disobedient. All of us were trapped in this, in, in this place. I love that old song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I still struggle. There's still signs because, because sin is deceptive. And we've got to recognize that God is calling us out of this time, out of our sin. And our sin, it doesn't matter what it is, and it's only by the blood and forgiveness of sins do we experience relief from the sins that we have. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Look at this with me. For by grace are you saved. I love the fact that God reminds us here, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not what I have done. It can't be anything about my baptism didn't save me. My church membership didn't save me. My ability to read God's word didn't save me. None of those things saved me. My being good outweighing my bad doesn't save me. None of these false things will save you today. It is only by faith in Jesus Christ. The grace of God is required for us to be saved from the punishment of our sins today. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen to this one. I love this. And then you say, well, I know these verses. Good. I'm glad you do. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death. If the Bible, if that was all it contained, it would be a hopeless book. But God gives us this conjunction here. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, God gives us great hope in the midst of great sorrow. And tonight, if you are still in your sins and you've never asked God's forgiveness, you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the greatest thing you can ever do is put your faith in Him as your Savior. The greatest hope that's ever been brought to mankind is not a good political system. No, the greatest hope for all of mankind is Jesus Christ and Him alone. So who's it available for? The Bible says everybody. It's not just for certain people. The Bible says that God desires for all men to be saved. One Sunday morning, the great evangelist George Whitfield filled the pulpit of one of London's most elegant and upscale churches. His messages 
were the same there as he preached everywhere, that God saves sinners. From the pulpit, Whitfield declared, The Lord Jesus will take the devil's castaways. Isn't that good? I'm a castaway. After the service ended, Whitfield went to, the, uh, went to eat with some of the leading members of the congregation. And over the meal, someone challenged him regarding his bold declaration that salvation was offered to all who believe. In response, Whitfield pulled out, his, out of his pocket a note that he had received before leaving the church. He asked the critic to read it aloud to the group. It said this, Two poor, lost women stood outside your tabernacle today and heard what you say that the Lord would take the devil's castaways. We seize this as our last hope, and we write to you to, uh, this to tell you that we rejoice now in believing in Him, and from this hour we shall endeavor to serve Him who has done so much for us. I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter your past because with, with Jesus Christ you can have a brilliant future. It doesn't matter the circumstances you find yourself today because when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, all things are made new. Isn't that encouraging, church? I tell you what, I may have a suit and tie on, but deep down inside I still got it, and sometimes it seems like I'm just as dirty as, as a day is long. But I'm reminded that God uh, says in, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're saved today, I urge you, repent. Repent of your sins so that God can work in and through you today. Repent recognizing that, that God wants us to live for Him. This world and churches today, we have mixed, uh, mixed signals coming from churches. Some churches say, well, it's, it's okay to, to, to participate in this, just not to excess. But my Bible tells us over and over again, to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. It says in, in 1 Peter, to be holy as He was holy. And I encourage you, church, let your life be totally transformed by the Word of God. Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, we've got to consistently be transformed. And while President Barack Obama was in office, he repeatedly defended the right to worship. But we don't need just to worship. We don't need just a place to come and, and, to, and to pray and to sing and to bow to the Lord. We need a, a, a religion that transforms our entire life. Not just Sunday morning or Sunday night, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Now, every day of the week should be transformed by God and His Word. And church, let me encourage you. That's what Paul is talking in here in verse number 15. And that thou from a child has known the Holy Scriptures were able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, continue in these things. Continue in the faith. If you're drowning in sin, get help. Because what is a church? It's a place for the lonely to find community. A place for the healing to find hurting. It's a place for, uh, of hope for the broken. It's a place of restoration for the estranged. It's a place full of grace for the sinner and a place of help in our time of need. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, If, if a man be overtaken in a fault, 
Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, and bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, as a church today, our goal, our, our desire should be to see every believer in this body today continuing in the faith. The, uh, the army has a slogan, no man left behind, and I believe that this is something that we've got to uh, participate in as well. There should be no Christian left behind. We should, we should have this idea that no Springfieldian, no person uh, on our watch should be left behind. That we could, should get everyone on board to live the abundant life that God's called to. Verse 15, he talks about continuing in salvation. I love, I love this. We don't just stop, okay? And, and what I mean by this, someone says, well, salvation is not progressive, okay? Uh, when we talk about salvation, it is instantaneous. It happens at the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Colossians 2.14 reminds us that salvation is settled at the cross, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So salvation happens the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's instantaneous, it's forever, and you are settled. It is sealed forever in heaven, according to Ephesians 1. There's nothing I have to do. And let me encourage you, if you're struggling with how does salvation work, what do I have to do in order to be saved, on our website, you could go to our website, hillsidebc.com, go to the resource page, and you can download a free Kindle book called Done by Carrie Schmidt. And in this book, it tells you and teaches you about what God has finished and accomplished on the cross. It's free for you. You can, you can download it if you're a Kindle reader. But God's called us not only to re recognize our salvation is settled at the cross, but He wants us to continue to grow. J. Vernon McGee said this, What kind of salvation is he talking about? After all, Timothy was already saved. Well, salvation occurs in three tenses. There's the past tense, I have been saved from sin. The present tense is, I am being saved from sin. The third tense is future, I shall be saved from sin. So, if I can elaborate, this is, this is what I want to just explain to you. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, it's called justification. A definition that I've always been able to remember is just as if I've never sinned. It's instantaneous, it's permanent, it is salvation from the punishment of your sins. But then there is another one that he's referring to here, it's called sanctification. This is the process of becoming like Christ through salvation over uh, the, and it is the salvation over the power of sin. And so as I give myself continually to Jesus Christ, I become more and more like Him. This process is called sanctification. And this is salvation over the power of sin in my life. Man, I've got to continually work in this area because when I was saved, I still have the old flesh. That old flesh wars against the Spirit. And this is what we learn in Galatians chapter 5, that both war, they're contrary one to the other, so that if I walk in the flesh, I cannot fulfill the things of the Spirit. If I walk in the Spirit, I shall not walk in the flesh. And so the Bible says that they can't go together. It's like light and darkness. If we were to turn the lights off in here, uh, if the power were to go out, and there was no light in here at all, y'all would all grab your cell phones for a light. But if there was no light in here at all, we would understand darkness. But if one flame were to be lit, one light bulb were to be turned on, it would dispel the darkness. And that's what he's saying here. He says, your spirit and your flesh, they're contrary, the one to the other. Then there's the third thing that he talks about. And this is, when we leave this earth, we will experience glorification. I'm looking forward to glorification. And I'll tell you why. Because I'll be saved from the presence 
of sin. Man, all those things that you struggle with, all the things that we see in this world, the anger, the, the, uh, the murders, all the things that we experience on a daily basis when we watch them on the news, the nonsense we call courtrooms today in our nation, I tell you what, all these things will be removed because the presence of sin will be gone. And what a glorious day that will be. So this is what he's talking about here in verse 15. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, look here. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is telling the church in Philippi and telling Timothy here in 2 Timothy that we need to work on, to continue to work on this process of sanctification. So I encourage you, church, today, continue in salvation. Continue in this work of sanctification today. We need to be saved from the power of sin in our life. The church is crippled today because we allow sin over and over and over in our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I tell you, if you are struggling with sin, this is what God tells us. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the what? Well, that was pretty sad. I bet you I can do better. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the... Amen. The victory through Jesus Christ, or through our Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you what, this is an incredible, encouraging thing for us today. As we consider the truth of God's Word, as we look here, we see that Paul is encouraging us, listen, we've got to continue on this process of sanctification. We've got to continue on this process and continue in the salvation that God has given us. So how are we sanctified? You ever... Anyone ever said to you, well, that person's a carnal Christian? You know what I mean? That means they're wrapped up in worldly things, and sometimes they, uh, maybe sometimes it's someone who's a, a gossip or something, some other issue, and it's very obvious to point out their flaws because you don't want to talk about yours. And so we call them carnal. Another word for it would be called a baby Christian uh, or immature. These are all terms that you could probably lump into one category and say these are all pretty much the same thing and so if I say you know that person's kind of a baby Christian I'd be calling them a carnal Christian but you know God's expectation is not as for us not to stay the same if I got saved and, and maybe I was baptized and I stayed the same after that point you're disappointing the Lord first Peter 2 2 as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye might what grow thereby Listen, we got to start off with milk, but pretty soon I want some steak and taters. I want something that, that's going to put some meat on my bones. I want something that's going to help me grow strong and be able to, to continue to walk by faith and not by sight. God expects each of us to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. And if that, if that hunger and that thirst is missing in your life, then there should be a red flag going on. God, what is it I'm allowing in my life? What is it that hinders me today from being able to be really committed to you today? There should be a flag there. There should be some sort of, uh, of, of, of warning. It's, a, it's like a dash light on your car. There's a warning light there. You know, when I was dating my wife, uh, someone said I was mean to her on, on uh, last Sunday, and uh, I didn't think I was, but I guess I was. So I apologize if I offended anybody. But, uh, in first, it, it, but when I was dating my wife, I learned as much about her as I could. I thought she was beautiful. I, I not only thought she was beautiful, I enjoyed spending time with her. Man, I, I wrote down her favorite color. I wrote down all the things that she enjoyed the most. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to learn about her. I wanted to be a part of her life. And so I studied her 
Uh, and, and man, I, I, as a married man, guess what? I still kind of like her. And so I still am studying my wife. That was a joke. Don't be offended, please. I love my wife immensely. But, but I, so I study her and I try to learn about her. And, you know, there's some days I get it wrong. Amen, men? But 1 Peter 3, 7, and this is biblical, likewise you husbands dwell with, them, dwell with them according to knowledge. And so God says we're supposed to continue to learn about them. But as that love for my wife has grown, my understanding, my knowledge of her has grown. And as my love for the Lord has grown, my desire to know about him has grown. The more I love him, the more I want to get to know him. The more I love him, the more I can't wait till the next time I get to spend some time with him in prayer. The next time I can't wait to just spend some time in his word. To grow, to walk. Just to, just to spend time with my daddy. What a joy it is. Listen, God's desire is for you to continue to grow. Don't stop in this process. Our pastor agonizes when people don't grow. It's a heartbreak. And we see people become stagnant in their growth and we become greatly, greatly discouraged. And we, we, we oftentimes think, Lord, is there something I'm not preaching right? Is there something I'm not doing right? Lord, what, what can I change to help this person grow? And we have a desire, such a burning desire that there are many times that we spend hours in prayer agonizing over one person or, or a family or someone that's going through the fire. So how can you grow? Let's start simple. Pray. Simple, it's simple. We say, oh, well, pray and read your Bible. Yeah, that's simple. But listen, if we would actually do it, it's amazing what God can do. Remember, as a child, I remember my mom taught junior church, and she would teach us, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow. That's right. You know, and that's not just a simple child song. It is something that God has called us to. And so God wants us to, to continue to pray, to continue to read our Bible, to, to memorize Scripture. And, and I tell you what, it, you say, well, I'm 86 years old. I can't memorize Scripture. I tell you, at 35, it's hard to memorize Scripture too. But we've got to continue to memorize, continue to study God's Word. Study doctrine. And this is what we'll get to in a minute, so I'm not going to labor here long. Share Christ with others. You want to grow in your faith, in your walk with the Lord? Share your faith. It's amazing the questions you get asked, man, when, I, when we knock on doors or maybe I'm just on visitation or maybe I just have the opportunity while I'm in a, in a waiting room or no matter what it may be, I have the opportunity to share Christ wherever it may be. And I have the opportunity when I share Christ, oftentimes they ask very profound questions. And, and, and as I consider that, I have had the most Growth in my life when I got asked questions that I had no idea how to answer. Because these are the opportunities I said, okay, Lord, help me be prepared next time. And I go back to the Word of God. What does God's Word say? You can also join discipleship and get, uh, be a part of growing that way as well. God wants us to continue to grow in our salvation. Revelation 3.16 reminds us, So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither hot nor, nor cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. God desires for us to be hot God desires for us to be on fire for Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you, church, continue in salvation. Lastly, continue in God's Word. Did you know 
There is nothing like the Bible. There's no literary work. If I was not a born-again Christian, I would still have to say God's Word is unparalleled in our world today. There is nothing like the Word of God. And let me, let me share with you some things that I, uh, from the Word of God. First off, uh, verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the insp- word inspiration literally means God breathed. And so if we look at it, 2 Peter 1.21, a sister verse says, For the prophecy came, came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see, God literally breathed, used, and spoke to these men, and they wrote it for the Lord. And listen, the Bible is unique in so many ways. First off, in its composition. It's composed of 66 books written over a 1,500-year time span by 40 different human authors on three different continents and in three different languages. There is no other book like it. The Bible is unique in its unity. Even with the diverse human elements mentioned above, there is an overriding unity throughout the entire Bible. It does not disagree with itself. It has a central message revealing, one, who God is and how we can have a relationship with Him. The Bible is unique in its relevance. Although it's centuries old, it is still read regularly all around the world. It doesn't matter if you're an American or Filipino or Zambian or wherever you come from, the Bible is still applicable to your life. Rich, poor, educated, ignorant, kings, paupers, people from every background and in all types of circumstances can read it and gain help through its pages. Isn't that incredible? The Bible is unique in its circulation. The Bible was the first major book printed on the Gutenberg Press. And still today, it is printed and circulated by the millions. It has been translated into many languages, and over, uh, over 2,800 languages have at least a portion of the Bible. No other book like it in the history of man. The Bible is unique in its survival. It was written on perishable material millennia ago, and we still have accurate copies of it today. This is even more remarkable when you consider how it has been attacked, it has been hunted down and burned, and skeptics have tried to limit its influence. Yet we still have it, and it still changes lives today. The Bible is unique in its literary character. How do farmers, shepherds, fishermen, kings, tax collectors, people from all different backgrounds and levels of literacy write an unified book that even a secular world recognizes as literary genius. How did that happen? The Bible is unique in its accuracy. Although the Bible is not a history book or a science book, when it speaks on these subjects, listen, it's accurate. Time and again, archaeologists, historians, and scientists have discovered the accuracy of God's Word as they've made discoveries that have lined up with the statements of Scripture from hundreds of years previous. This last one's good. The Bible is unique in its prophecies. No other book, religious or secular, can even hold a candle to the approximately 2,000 accurately fulfilled prophecies in the Bible. Today, we hold in our hands something that's incredible. And God's intent for us is to continue in the Word of God. Because one, he says it's profitable. I love this. It's profitable for doctrine. Consider this. Doctrine, we sometimes we put it on the shelf as, not, as secondary. But listen, don't just time, uh, spend time. I mentioned this already. Don't spend time reading on the Internet about the Bible. Read the Bible. 
In these last days, there will be more deception and in, in, uh, imitation. And the only way a believer will be able to tell the truth from the false is by knowing the Word of God. The only antidote against a world of apostasy is the Word of God. The only resource and recourse for the child of God is the Word of God. Isn't that incredible? Think about this. It is our antidote for falsehood today. And, and false ideologies abound in the world that we live. Reproof. This is not just doctrine, but reproof. This is literally evidence. We can trust the Word of God. We just read a part of that, but we can trust it. We can use it as proof as we share because it is an authority that comes from God. As a parent, my authority and in, in discipline and in, in structuring my children comes from the Bible. As a pastor, my authority uh, comes from the Word of God as we help to direct the church and minister in line. Thirdly, correction. Literally, this is the restoration to an upright state. So if, if uh, someone is in error, as we mentioned a while ago, we want to take the Word of God and help encourage them and correct in correction. And finally, in instruction. Training and education. We use it on a regular basis in our home. God's Word is profitable as a guide for our life. We can use it as we train and educate our children, and even more as we uh, train in our, our, our life and our, for morals and other things in our nation. And this is why Satan so opposes the Word of God today. It opposed, Satan opposes the Ten Commandments. Satan opposes the Bible. Not any other religion like he does the Word of God because it fulfills God's purpose. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son. Listen, God has a desire for you today to be conformed into his image. God has a desire for you today to be able to continue to grow in the word of God, to continue in faith, to continue in salvation, and continue in God's word. And this morning, if I could encourage you with anything, it would be to continue, continue, continue. No matter the difficulties that we may face, no matter how hard it may be, God's calling is for us to continue today.